Hey everyone, it's Rich Warner from WealthMaxBuilder.com and the WealthMaxBuilder YouTube channel. Glad you could be with me today. In today's video, I'd like to talk about a very serious issue facing many Americans today, and that is the state of your retirement savings inside the Social Security Trust account. You know, there are many economists out there and financial journalists who are reporting that the Social Security Trust Fund will run out of money by 2034. Assuming that there are no changes or tweaks made to the system as it stands today, by 2034, only 70% of entitlements will be paid out. So there'll be a deficit. There won't be enough money coming into the system funding the Social Security Trust accounts as there will be money that's being drawn out to pay for the seniors who are retired. And by the way, are entitled to their retirement savings. So this is a major issue facing many Americans today. If we do a quick review of American history here, the Social Security Act was passed in 1935 by Franklin Delano Roosevelt in response to the depraved conditions during the Great Depression years when seniors had nothing, absolutely nothing to retire on. And many had lost their life savings in the banks that went bust during the Great Depression. So the government decided to copy a system that was legislated um, by Bismarck in Germany in the 1800s it's a forced retirement savings system. About 6.5% of your paycheck goes to funding your Social Security retirement account, your trust account that stays at the Treasury in Washington. There's also an additional amount that's taken out of your paycheck to help fund your Medicare health insurance account. So Medicare is really a forced health insurance program set up by the federal government. So you have a forced retirement savings account program for Social Security, and you have a forced Medicare health insurance program set up by the federal government. Now, Medicare and Medicaid were both set up and created in 1965 by Lyndon B. Johnson during the Great Society period. But I mentioned Medicare and Medicaid because they're part of the forced deductions that are taken out of your paycheck. And because the federal government is in charge of managing the funds in your Social Security trust account and for your Medicare health insurance. Now, if you suspect, as I do, that the funds inside of the Social Security Trust account have been poorly managed, and this is in fact one of the reasons why we're going to run out of funds by 2034, unless some serious tweaks to the system are made, and most agree that these tweaks are highly likely to be made by 2034. Sometime between now and then, congressmen and senators are gonna to get together and make some radical changes to the system so as to prevent it from going belly up by 2034. But in this video, I like to specifically address the whole issue of how the funds inside your Social Security trust account are managed. You may not be aware of this, but 100% of the money inside your Social Security retirement trust account is invested in U.S. Treasury bonds, Treasury notes, and Treasury bills. Now, Treasury bonds are one of the safest investments around, and that's part of the problem. And by the way, U.S. Treasury securities used to be AAA rated by Moody's and S&P, Standard & Poor's, until the budget wars started to come to the fore and there were government shutdowns. Threats of federal government shutdowns are quite common these days, and there's always this political back and forth between Democrats and Republicans to, at the last minute, to come to some sort of agreement about the budget. And it's this impasse that creates the government shutdowns or the threat of government shutdowns. But it's because of these repeated threats to federal government shutdowns and also because of the increasing percentage of debt to GDP 
which is not exorbitant by comparable uh, developed country measures, but it's still getting quite high. And for those two major reasons, the credit score uh, or the credit rating of the U.S. government has faltered from AAA to AA. And when you review the performance of the funds inside your retirement trust account in your Social Security uh, trust account, you'll find that your returns barely exceed the rate of inflation as measured by the CPI index. So a quick review of inflation in America over the past 100 years shows that the average rate of inflation is about 3% per year, which means that your dollar is losing three pennies of buying power per year. So after 10 years or so, you're gonna be losing about 30 cents of your dollar's buying power, which is why you hear of your grandparents always talking about the good old days when the price of milk was only about you know, 50 cents uh, per half gallon, let's say, and, and now it's like 10 times that. Or the cost of going to a movie in the good old days was, you know, one-fifth of what it is today, for example. And that's because of inflation. Now, inflation is a tax that affects everyone in the population. And inflation affects lower-income people more than the wealthy. Because the wealthy generally invest their money in assets that appreciate over time whereas the poor don't have the ability to save as much and they won't necessarily invest in a home or in assets like stocks that appreciate over time. And those are the two main asset classes, real estate and stocks, essentially, that guard your wealth over time. If you're invested in U.S. Treasury bonds, however, you know, what is the yield these days on a U.S. Treasury bond? To find out the yield of a U.S. Treasury bond, you can go to Bloomberg.com, for example, go to Rates and Bonds, and then click on US for the US government bond market, and you'll see treasury yields, okay? So these are the assets that your social security money is actually invested in. You've got three month bills, six month bills, 12 month notes, two year notes, five year notes, 10 year bonds, and 30 year bonds. Now under this column here, you'll see yield. And this basically refers to the amount of interest that these bills, notes, and bonds are paying now, hopefully most of the money that's in, in the account is not invested in the short-term securities because the rate of inflation in, in the U.S. is actually closer to 2% per year. And with a 2% inflation rate, hopefully the money that's invested in a Social Security account is actually invested more in the longer-term maturities so you can actually get some interest that will beat inflation. But as you notice, currently the 10-year yield or the interest rate for a 10-year treasury bond is only 1.75%. Now, last I checked, the rate of inflation was 1.75 for the consumer basket, but the core rate of inflation is more like 2%. And if you look around you, everywhere around you, the cost of healthcare is going up by more than 2%, obviously. The cost of college education is skyrocketing in excess of the rate of inflation, obviously. The point that I'm making here, especially healthcare costs for seniors, it's it's directly relevant, as you can imagine. Uh, 1.75% interest yield on your Social Security money is not going to cut it. We're actually losing out to inflation. The returns currently by this portfolio, this asset allocation that's 100% invested in Treasury securities, can in no way, shape, or form beat the rate of inflation because the returns 
on the money that's invested in your social security account trust fund are so minimal. This is why the entitlement paychecks that you get in the mail, which amount to something like an average of $1,400 a month these days, what can you do with $1,400 in the United States? You know, the cost of rent in America is $1,000 a month. The cost of a mortgage is closer to $1,200, $1,300 a month on average. So what can you do with $1,400 these days? And that's not even factoring in the cost of healthcare expenses, medical expenses, and things like that. And one of the key reasons why the entitlement paychecks are so minimal and the likelihood that Social Security trust fund will go bust by 2034 is precisely be because the money is not invested properly. I don't understand what the fear is among the general population and the legislators in Washington. I think it's because there is an ignorance when it comes to financial investment management. And, you know, the average congressman is not a fund manager. That's agreed. And neither is the U.S. Treasury Department. Since when is the U.S. federal government a retirement fund manager? You know, when you think about it, it makes absolutely no sense that the Treasury Department has not hired a third party, especially in these days of robo-advisory programs. There is no need to hire some sophisticated investor like Warren Buffett to manage retirement assets. We're talking about a robo-advisory program here, much like the target date funds that are readily available today by Vanguard and Fidelity. All the U.S. government has to do today is appoint Vanguard and Fidelity, or BlackRock, for that matter, who run the iShares, and set up target date programs. Now, I'm gonna talk about target date programs in another video in greater detail, but basically the way they work is when you're young and start contributing to your retirement savings account, whether it's a Roth IRA or whether it's the Social Security Retirement Trust account, you should be more exposed to stocks, okay? The asset allocation portfolio inside of the retirement account should be age-based. So when you're making contributions to your retirement account, whether it's a Roth IRA or a Social Security Trust Fund, and you're in your 20s and 30s and 40s, you know, you can afford to be 40% allocated to stocks, stock index funds, preferably. Vanguard and Fidelity have some of the lowest cost index funds available today. That's why I'm recommending that the government take a serious look at Vanguard and Fidelity. BlackRock, as I mentioned, also has iShares. And there are some target date type of funds available at BlackRock, but not as specific as at Vanguard and Fidelity. But the way a target date fund works is when you're young, you're in a more aggressive asset allocation, more like 40, 50% stock index funds and the rest allocated to fixed income securities, investment grade uh, treasuries and corporates, for example. The Social Security Fund doesn't invest in corporate bonds, investment-grade bonds. I don't understand why. It's exclusively treasury bonds, which are the lowest riskless rate that you can get. And of course, corporate bond yields are higher because corporations do not have the power of taxation that the federal government has. Therefore, they're considered higher risk. Corporations depend on their earnings to pay off their debts as opposed to taxes like the federal government. Therefore, they're considered a little bit of a higher risk. But the fact of the matter is that there's some very safe investment-grade uh, corporate bonds out there and bond funds um, that we should be looking at as well, not just treasuries. So fixed income, you've got 50-50, about 40-60 40, 
meaning 40% stock index funds, 60% fixed income funds, corporates, investment grade, treasuries, investment grade. And as you approach your retirement age, by the time you hit your 50s, at that point, you have to seriously downshift your equity exposure to something more like 30% stock index funds and 70% fixed income. And in the few years just prior to your retirement, you should scale that down even further to more like 20% stock index fund exposure and the rest, 80% should be invested in a portfolio of investment grade fixed income securities, treasuries and corporates. Now, as I mentioned in another video, I will be getting into target date strategies in greater detail. But for this video, I just want to keep it brief. And I just wanted to make one more point, And that is this, that, you know, there are other countries that invest money on behalf of their citizens. They're called sovereign wealth funds. You know, this has been going on for like the past 20, 30 years. In some cases, we're, we're talking about countries like Norway, Singapore, Saudi Arabia, of course, oil producing countries mainly. And there is something to be said about the Alaskan fund, which takes the oil revenues and invests it on behalf of Alaskan citizens. Did you know that every Alaskan citizen gets a check anywhere from a thousand bucks to $3,000 a year based off of the dividends from the Alaskan fund? Now the sovereign wealth funds that I referred to, particularly Norway, Singapore, and Saudi Arabia, they're invested in equities. And because Saudi Arabia and Norway are oil producing countries, you can bet your sweet tootsies that these two countries are not invested in energy related companies because they want to diversify their exposure to non-energy sectors of the stock markets. And they're invested globally. They own US stocks. They own Chinese stocks. They own stocks all over the world. They're diversified. And these sovereign wealth funds are mostly invested in stocks, not bonds. If you take a look at the Alaskan fund, for example, you know, you've got something like 60 to 70% exposure to equity investments. They're not all publicly traded investments. Some are privately held companies, private venture funds and the like and alternative strategies. But if you add up the aggregate exposure to stocks, to equities, to company earnings, you know, it exceeds 65% in the case of most of these countries. So the point I'm trying to make here is that the federal government of the United States, the Treasury Department, can do so much better than it has for the Social Security Trust Fund and the Medicare Insurance Trust Fund. If they so much as allocated some of this money to third-party fund managers who can set up something like a target-dated fund, do you think that the Social Security Retirement Fund would run out of money in X number of years? Chances are it won't because it's properly balanced. Now, as you know from some of my previous videos, I make it my business to try to design balanced funds for people of different age groups, particularly for seniors. And my research and analysis tells me quite clearly that stock index fund exposure, investment in index funds, stock index funds, company earnings, globally diversified, is absolutely essential to preserving wealth because of the threat of inflation. You need to have an inflation hedge and you need to have global diversification as well because the US dollar is not necessarily the end all be all currency of for all time. It is not impossible for the US dollar to lose its credibility someday. 
for whatever reason that may be. Because don't forget that a lot of things we purchase from abroad come from other countries with other currency exposure. So to say that we're locked in this little bubble of US dollar exposure is incorrect. The point is that we have dollar risk that should be hedged as well. Now I'd like to make another key point about the importance of being invested in a diversified portfolio, like a target date fund that's allocated anywhere from 20 to 40% stock index funds and the rest to fixed income investment grade bond funds. And that's this. If you really want to harness the power of compound growth, you want to beat the rate of inflation, obviously, by a high enough growth rate. If we're invested in a portfolio of U.S. government bonds as we are today, your yield is going to be about 2%, which is about the rate of inflation. Now, the average annual return on stock index funds historically is up around 9-10% per year. So obviously, if you include stock index funds into the mix for the retirement account, you're going to be increasing that 2% fixed income yield, 3 3.5% with investment grade corporate bonds as well. So think of portfolio asset allocation as kind of like a huge pot of stew. And you know, your meat and potatoes are the investment grade fixed income funds, okay? So those are your meat potatoes, but then you throw some spice in there like bond funds that are generating growth rates, total returns, including dividends and capital gains on the on the stock prices. You know, you're looking at about 9, 10, 11% total annual returns on average, okay? And that's going back over 100 years of data. And don't forget, you're going to be incorporating into the mix some investment-grade corporate bonds whose total returns are closer to 5% per year. So if you're mixing 5% and 9, 10% average annual returns over long periods of time into your asset mix, I mean, you don't have to be 100% in stocks is what I'm saying, but something closer to 40% allocation of stocks when you're younger makes a lot of sense. Throw in some investment grade bond funds and you can still have your treasury allocation, but it's nowhere near 100%. You know, we're talking maybe about a 20%, 25% allocation to treasuries now. If that's the case, you're going to get average annual returns that are closer to 6, 7, and 8% per year. And that is way better than 2%, 3% annual returns that you can get from treasury bonds. That's the key point I'm trying to make here. Now, there's also something to be said about having a perpetual account, as endowment funds do at Yale and Harvard University, for example, and these huge endowment funds for these universities and colleges across the United States. You know, what do you think they're invested in? They're not invested in investment-grade bonds. They're invested in real estate and equities. Why? Because they have perpetual lifespans. They don't have to think like seniors do about retirement age coming up within four years or within a year or within 20 years. These university endowment funds have perpetual investment accounts and therefore they can afford to take the risk of investing in equities long term and to such a huge percentage of their portfolios. Now this is a key difference between managing a retirement portfolio for seniors and managing an endowment fund for a university. But there's also money inside of the Social Security Trust Fund that acts like a perpetual account. There's part of that money is in fact perpetual. Because if you're going to get compound growth, 
growth on growth, your returns are going to exceed the rate of inflation. And, and not only that, they're going to exceed the entitlement payouts. It's not a linear growth curve. It is an exponential growth curve. And over time, you're going to have that excess growth coming from not only the fact that you're more exposed to equities and corporates than only you as treasuries with six, seven, eight percent returns per year, but you're also having the compounding effect of that perpetual portion of a social security account that hasn't been used to pay out entitlement benefits yet. That's the key point. So for these huge, powerful reasons, it is in the best interest of every American to take a good look at the way the money is invested in the Social Security Trust account and in the Medicare insurance accounts. But the key point that I'm trying to make in summary is that the federal government should get out of the money management business. It has no expertise and no business in the fund management business. It does not know how to manage retirement assets properly. It's been proven. Look at, look at what's going on with the Social Security Trust account. Keep in mind also that the Social Security Act was legislated in 1935. In terms of financial history, that's like the Stone Age. Before the financial markets were as developed as they are today, before mutual funds existed, before ETFs existed, before target date funds existed, before fund management companies like Vanguard, Schwab, Fidelity, and BlackRock lowered rates on funds, thus blowing out star mutual fund managers across the industry, before all of these developments occurred, the federal government may have had a case in terms of putting all the assets of the Social Security Trust Fund and Medicare into treasuries, but that's no longer the case. We're talking about a highly developed financial system these days, and we should take advantage of it. There is no reason or need for the federal government to be involved in the management of your retirement asset money inside the Social Security and Medicare trust accounts. I hope a bunch of legislators are watching this video and understand the implications clearly. It's about time that we got something done on this very, very key issue that affects all Americans across the board, especially middle to lower class families who do not have large Roth IRAs and 401ks and who rely almost exclusively on that social security check coming in the mail. Leave your comments below this video. I'd like to hear what you have to say about this issue. If you like this video, please share it with your friends and subscribe to the WealthMax Builder YouTube channel and also sign up to the WealthMaxBuilder.com email list on the WealthMaxBuilder.com website. Thanks so much for watching. Have a great day.